0: Making it easy to do business with you today is super, super important. But actually, it can be very difficult to make this happen, which is why I'm really excited about today's episode. We bring on a guest who shares really great insights into every player in the channel's problems and frustrations and friction points and how you can help make your customer experience even better. This is going to help you compete. This is going to help you hold on to customers. And it's a great reminder on how important it is to make things easier for your customer. If you want to win and grow your business now with that, let's get into the episode
1: Welcome to the smarter building materials marketing podcast Helping you
2: find better ways to grow leads sales and outperform your competition
1: And now here are your hosts zach williams and beth popnikoloff
0: All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside Beth Popnikalov, and today we've got Jim Peralt of Pella of Colorado on the show with us today. Welcome to the show, Jim.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you.
0: So, Jim, maybe you can just kick us off, give us a little bit of overview of your role and your history within Pella, and then we'll just dive into the episode.
1: Absolutely. My current role is General Manager of Sales for the Front Range here in Colorado, I'm in charge of the the trade segment and the commercial segments of sales. So the trade being the the contractors, builders, remodelers, and commercial being the lighter end of commercial, multifamily, some of the healthcare and and educational facilities along those likes. So those two teams are the ones that I manage. Prior to that, I had actually worked for Pella Corporation as a selling process manager and a national sales trainer. Prior to that, I was in the the building materials sales end of things myself as an outside sales rep for the better portion of 20 years. And most of that was in uh, windows and doors.
2: I know we have a million questions to ask you. You have such extensive knowledge. I'd love to hear what you see as the biggest change in your over 20 years of experience and even in the same product category. So how would you explain the change from when you first started to what you find yourself talking to builders and contractors about today or buildings that are being built or any of those things?
1: Oh my. Yeah. The, the changes have been fast and furious uh, over those years. Certainly the technology that's used in building products is, is fabulous. Something as simple as glass. The the glass when we were first selling, Cardinal had come out with Lowe 170, and we were like, "Hey, this is amazing!" And what can be done now with glass is just absolutely incredible. The wood treatments that are used that are so much better for the environment, but still give you you know fantastic warranties on wood products. There's a lot going on there. Then, as far as the industry itself, lots and lots of consolidation has happened. Certainly from a sales standpoint, I'll tell you that the average sales professional is far more refined and far more professional than probably when I first began. There's upside and downside to that, but I think a big cause of that was the Great Recession really weeded out a lot of salespeople that were probably more just order takers than actual sales professionals. So I think what you encounter in the field now are people that are better educated and really are, are dedicated to their skilled trade of, of being a salesperson?
2: Is there anything that you're seeing that's next that you're like we're right on the horizon of this thing becoming mainstream or completely changing how we XYZ?
1: I certainly do see that. I mean, it's interesting. The the building industry is, has always been a relationship game. You have to start there, but what I see now is that. The builders and contractors, they don't want just a supplier anymore. They need much more of a turnkey solution. So from our standpoint, they need us to not just sell them the product, but they want us to install it. They want post-install services where we're going through and doing adjustments and service, even right down to going ahead and installing hardware and screens and cleaning glass, really so that when they come to us, that entire scope is owned by one person, I definitely see that builders and in, in the industry in, in whole really want turnkey solutions.
0: It's an element of friction and service at the same time. Like we talk a lot about that, Jim. You know, especially from a digital standpoint, is how can we reduce friction for our audience in the research or selection process? But you're also seeing it in the actual purchase and install. Like, how can you make it? You say turnkey. The term we use is friction or ease of use. You know. So are you seeing that's coming about because they just demand it because they're seeing it in other places of their life or are they seeing it because they're trying to keep out any competition or is it a combination of both?
1: I think it's a little bit combination of both. Certainly as more builders are trying to scale up because there's a lot of national sized builders now that really make it difficult for some of the smaller players to play in their markets. So they need to be able to differentiate themselves but they can't be killed with overhead costs of having a large team in house that handles all of their purchasing and specifying and accounts receivable accounts payable they can't be killed by overhead so the more that can be taken off their plate by their suppliers and vendors the more streamlined it is for them there's a ton of sales books out there you know right now that they may not come out and directly say it but really what they're getting to is that you have to be easy to do business with And there's a lot to that. You know, you you have to be easy to pay. So going ahead and sending someone an invoice in the mail nowadays so that they can go ahead and cut a check because you don't accept credit cards. That's not easy to do business. They need to be able to receive an email with a nice link on there that they can click on. It takes them right to a pay site and they can do it with PayPal or or right from their debit card, whatever it is that they want to do. It's right down to to that type of minutiae of making it easy for them to do business with.
2: I love that. First of all, I just think that's really smart. When people think business, they think improving my storefront, improving layout, improving inventory, decreasing lead times. But you're absolutely right that it's all the way through the transaction down to the end. If you make it difficult for me to pay you, I'm out, man. I'd rather deal with someone with a crappy store and... An easy link. <laughs> you know,
1: I, I, I encourage my sales reps you know, when they're after a prospect and that sort of thing, you know, ask the question, you know, why do you do business with this person? You know, is it, is it just relationship or do they do something different? Do they make it, you know, more easy? And the other thing that you have to find out is how do they do their business? You know, it's one thing to say they like this line of products and they like to do it in this order, but it's more than that. You know, if you sit down and say, hey, help me understand your cash flow. Is there a day of the month that works for you, a small business owner, to have your payment set so that it doesn't come on the same day as your own mortgage and your car payment and your other credit cards? Understanding their cash flow because then you're, you're making that relationship that much deeper. You're really showing that you care about how they're going to grow and stay ahead of things and that you're going to be that partner that thinks about their business that way. It's big time differentiating. Differentiating yourself with products and storefronts and marketing. It's a smaller part of things now when it comes to understanding how their business is so it's easier for them.
0: Well, I actually was interviewed, I think, yesterday, Jim, and they asked me about this very topic. And I made the comment, I was like, and we say this a lot on this podcast, but like people don't care about you. They really don't. They don't lose sleep about your product, they lose sleep about their cash flow. You know, the contractor wants to know where's his next job coming from. And so, I love what you're saying, because what you're articulating is the fact that in order for you to stay ahead and to survive and continue to win in building products, you've really got to understand the drivers for the people on the front lines of actually doing the work. What matters to them? What keeps them up? And then deliver value and provide ease in those scenarios.
1: Absolutely. And it's a tough balance because as a business leader... You also need to be looking at your own cash flow. That's true.
0: (laughs) What do you mean we have to make a profit?
1: (laughs) At least understanding where they're coming from. You can get a way to to get everyone in line or not, but at least everyone knows where they're coming from.
2: So if we can switch gears just a little bit here, Jim, is there anything that you see that's working really well for you from a marketing standpoint?
1: You know, we have not been great at our marketing to the trades. That's something that we're literally just starting down the path of changing. Certainly, we've dabbled in some of the obvious ones of LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, and those are important and they really do work. But what we're heading towards now is a real rebuild of all of our websites so that we have bios and project examples and customer testimonials So that when someone does search that up or or we can refer them to go look at those websites and make up their own mind about things so that, that we can kind of market better that way. But it's definitely digitally driven. We have backed off significantly from our print marketing and really trying to learn this new, it's not so new, but to us, digital world of how to do that effectively. I have seen some builders that do it fantastic. You know, builders are probably doing a much better job now of going ahead and marketing themselves out there on their own websites, and certainly if there are other pages they have.
0: I was just going to say, you know, one thing, Jim, you and I were talking about in advance of the podcast was the consolidation of the industry and the things that you're seeing there. And I think it's actually really interesting to bring up the fact that, like, you guys are trying to go more digital. You see, there's opportunity there. You definitely see the the partners, the builders that are that have to market are doing that really well. I'd really love to hear your perspective on the consolidation of the industry and like what that means for manufacturers today Like as they're planning and going into this next year. What do they need to be aware of, especially from somebody like yourself who's worked at corporate but also is now on the front lines of building construction?
1: Absolutely. One observation that I've had from a number of different experiences is that The companies that are going and buying other companies, they're consolidating, which is a great move, no doubt about it, but I don't think they always have their channel figured out really thoroughly before they go ahead and and make those moves. So my advice to manufacturers is really understand what your channel is going to be and what it could be. Just because XYZ manufacturer sold through this national lumber company for the past 10, 15, 20 years doesn't particularly mean it's the right thing for you to be doing. So I think you know consolidation is going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. It's how companies are going to stay alive because it really insulates them for changes in the market, changes in the economy. If, if one thing drops off, another can pick up. So it is a wise business decision, especially if you can get these companies that are currently struggling because they haven't made good channel decisions. But just understanding a channel strategy right out the gate, not, you know, integrating that business into your own umbrella and then trying to figure it out. I think that's a big mistake and I've seen it a lot.
2: Is there anybody that you can think of that is doing it well, a manufacturer that has a solid channel strategy?
1: I think that in different segments, yes, there there are companies that are doing it really well. Certainly from a standpoint of those companies that sell direct to the end users. They sell into the home. The window worlds, the Renewal by Anderson, the Pella retail segment, they all do a really good job with those segments. The way that they generate their leads, the way that they handle their marketing, and they all do it quite differently. You know, Some of them look at the top of funnel leads. Some of them look at the bottom of the funnel leads. Renewal by Anderson, they're more top of funnel. They, they spread out a very broad net they don't do a lot of qualifying, and they go to a lot of appointments, and they do very well. They're clearly a very successful company. They're they're doing things right. So this isn't a critique on their marketing. Whereas Pella has a lot of filters. They look at you know all sorts of demographics and area that's lived in and, and economics. They look at a lot, and they put out what I would say is probably a more refined lead. They have less calls that they go out on, but their close ratio is undoubtedly higher, so each one's going to market a little bit different, but I think that they're all doing a very good job of.
0: Jim, if I can ask you a pointed question here, you're talking about contractors and builders and what keeps them up at night and you're talking about changes in the industry. You're a general manager. You run a P&L. Like you manage that P&L, you have a a very close pulse on that. Outside of like cash flow and sales and things like that, like what keeps you up at night? Like what are the things that concern you? If I'm allowed to ask that question.
1: Yeah, I have uh, three daughters. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) number one on the list. Number one, two, and
2: three.
0: (laughs) I have three daughters as well, so I get you. Mm -hmm. So uh,
1: There's probably that. No, in seriousness, you know, staying ahead of the curve, really the one thing that probably has me up the most is hiring and retaining talent. It's really, really tough for everyone right now for a number of reasons, and it can be a very expensive problem the the cost of bringing someone on board into the building materials industry is a long-term investment. So when I bring someone on, I know that it's going to be a couple to three years on average before they're really producing well and, and really helping, you know, the company's bottom line. And and we're fine with that investment. We know that that's just part of what it is because it takes that long to build up those relationships, to learn the product lines, to really understand what it takes to to sell to a builder and the conversations to have. So with unemployment out here in Colorado in the mid 2% range, the cost of living being very, very high we really are taking on people that perhaps in the past we we wouldn't have considered people that are are fresh out of college. it's their very first job, they have no prior work experience, and actually those are my favorite because you can bring them in and teach them your way and your processes. I really love them, but what we're having to pay to bring those uh, people in the door is a lot more than I made when when I first broke into this industry you know all those years back. It's fairly shocking, but you have to you have to pay that amount of money.
0: Are you ever worried like I'm gonna bring you in and you're gonna be gone in a year before you start producing. Like is that in the back of your mind at all? Are you pretty candid with people and saying, hey, you need to know I'm behind you. You're not gonna be where you are today three years from now.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it. I've gotten much better of setting very realistic expectations and giving actual examples and showing people, you know, here's how this person progressed and here's how other people progress. Some people have just come in and they're rock stars and they just kill it and they win presence awards. In their first year but we all know that that is the rare thing and and we love when it happens otherwise the more realistic is you understand there's going to be this ramp up period so you let them know what that income is going to look like for them with bonuses without bonuses how that's reached and you really kind of put it into their court to make that decision if that's a journey that they want to take
2: how are you finding younger millennials are reacting to What could be considered like a laggard industry? What would be the right word to say there, Zach?
0: You said you're going to say stale. That's okay. They just don't know. They don't know that it's great. Well,
2: we started out the podcast, Jim, by you saying it's very relationally based, and I actually made a note just thinking, just to actually talk to our team, like we know that millennials are getting to ready to flood the market and be in much stronger decision-making positions, just as the baby boomers age out. And we hear from lots of people about the struggle of the labor shortage for sure, but also just getting younger millennials interested. Like typically millennials who are in this industry have kind of inherited it from their family. So you're hiring people straight out of college. It's not necessarily in their family. What are you seeing that they're bringing to the table is ultimately what I'm asking. And I think I'm asking for the good and the bad, like where are they shaking things up and where are they just like wanting to pull their hair out?
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that we are getting a higher caliber of salesperson nowadays. You're getting people with marketing degrees and business degrees and and that sort of thing. When I first, you know, started selling in the industry in in 1997, there weren't a lot of people with degrees. You know, we went out and we sold and we did our thing. It was very tribal knowledge and you worked your way up the ladder by trial and error and being a, a rock star and just doing all the right moves it's different now. Now they do have to understand it more so from a business standpoint. I need my reps making really good business decisions, decisions that protect the business, protect their customer. Certainly they're making decisions based on what's going to make them income. And I think that this younger generation, millennials come out of college with a pretty good understanding of that business and marketing and being able to present themselves in a, a very professional way so that Really, all that we need to do is is get them on board with what the conversations are that they need to have, practice those, role play those out, certainly get them up to speed on the products that they're selling. But probably the best thing about them is that they're all very tech savvy. When you go ahead and, and say, put this on your calendar, check the scheduling assistant, make sure that you're not overlapping, they don't blink. They just know what it is. Hey, use this CRM system, make sure that you're logging your meetings and that you're documenting the your conversations that you're having using GroupMe app to go ahead and communicate to the, the larger sales team. That's really fantastic because there are a, a lot of old dogs, uh, probably myself included in this, that, you know, didn't always embrace technology. And you just you have to now. You absolutely must incorporate it into your day to day.
2: Is there a way that you've seen technology also invade your customer relationships? And I think what I'm asking here is obviously CRMs are important, but some type of tracking like that has always been important. But to be a little bit clear, is there an expectation from your customer for a technology that didn't used to be there?
1: I think that that expectation is coming. I think that, that they are going to start to see what other companies are doing and that it's just going to become the norm. So the example I can give you is that, Pella just released their ProConnect app so that our customers uh, can go ahead and download that app. They put in their own personal customer number that we have assigned to them. And at any point in time, they can go on and look at, hey, when is this product coming into our warehouse? Is it scheduled to be delivered to them? Really, any of that information. And it really, in this day and age, that seems like a no-brainer. You know, why wouldn't you have something where they could just pop onto their phone and check that rather than have to call their rep or call into our uh, logistics department and and get that information. Why wouldn't it just be on your phone? Everything else. Who has
2: to also call somebody else and put you on hold and check the system. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: you know, we're in this day and age where, you know, you order something up on Amazon and at any point in time you can pop onto your app and look at where that order is out on the road on its way to you. Uh, Even notes as to where it was left on your front porch, you know, to the left of the front door. So I think that expectation <laughs> is definitely coming. And I think from the position that I'm in, we're doing a pretty decent job of staying ahead of that. There's still a long ways to go.
0: That's awesome. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've got a wealth of, of knowledge and insight into the, into the space, you know, seeing it from both sides of the equation. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out?
1: Absolutely. Go ahead and search me up on LinkedIn. As Jim Peralt at Pella of Colorado, happy to accept any requests that come out there. And and certainly, you know, people have questions, they can reach out, send me a message. I'm always happy to help fellows in the industry.
0: Very cool. Well, again, thanks again for coming on the show, Jim. We really appreciate it. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikalov. Thanks everybody.
1: You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikolos. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you
0: for listening.